I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. For Inside Carolina, I'm Taylor Vipolis, and you're listening to this podcast, which is a part of the Inside Carolina Podcast Network. So first off, thank you for being here. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Inside Carolina wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube so you never miss any of the content our team at IC puts out. It hardly takes any time, and it helps us out a great deal. Also, speaking of support, we want to support the people that support us. So that's why on this podcast, I have to remind everyone about Jimmy's Famous Seafood. The reason they wanted to sponsor this podcast is simple. They're owned by UNC fans. With the pandemic and indoor dining restricted, it's a tough time right now to be a locally owned business. So it's helping out one of our own. And at the same time, you get ridiculously good seafood at a great price, a true win-win. For everybody wondering, my go-to order is the famous gift box where you get two massive crab cakes, two different kinds of crab soup, and then a half pint of crab dip. Visit them online at jimmysfamousseafood.com. And at checkout, use the code hashtag GDTBATH for free two-day shipping. That's promo code hashtag GDTBATH. All right, let's get to it. As always, I'm joined by my guy and Carolina basketball legend, Justin Jackson. Justin, since the last time we talked, Carolina goes 2-0 with two double-digit wins, beating NC State over the weekend and then beating a pretty good pit team on Tuesday night. What have been your general takeaways after watching these last two games specifically? And they look uh, – they're just looking better and better, man. I think that's the – I think that's what should be most exciting is just how much better they're looking over each game. Um, and guys, different guys are stepping up in different times, um, and individuals are looking like they're getting better and better. So, um, it's pretty encouraging. I mean, I was just talking to, uh, another Tar Heel legend and Kenny Williams and, um, you know, he was kind of saying the same thing, you know, just how they're looking, they're looking better. And, uh, you know, I think that's the whole goal of, of the season, especially going into ACC. So it's, it's been good to see. In the NC State game, you had five scores go for double digits, which is crazy where you have that many scoring options. How does that help a team when you do have that many people that can put the ball in the basket? Yeah, I mean, it, it makes it, you know, like we've talked about in past past times, like it, it opens things up for, you know, kind of those guys, whether it's the guys inside or, um, you know, other scores that we have. And so, you know, I think seeing that it, it should be very encouraging because it shows that guys can score the ball all around the team. You know, it's not just one guy here, one guy here, but it's it shows that guys have the potential to really be active on that side of the ball. So, um, you know, I think that'll that'll help them even more to just open up the floor even more. Looking at it from the other team's perspective, does it make it difficult at all when you do have that many scoring options to where you don't know? 
how a team like Carolina is going to get their points where, you know, one night it could be Armando Baycott leading the way. Another time it's Caleb Love leading the way. How is that for an opposing team? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because, you know, I'm pretty sure every team, whenever they go into a game against North Carolina, it's like, okay, we got the bigs inside. We got to try to stop them as much as we can offensively um, rebounding. And then it's also in transition, right? So it's like, if those, are the, if those are the main areas the teams go in to try to defend and you've got Kerwin out here shooting threes and knocking down threes and then you got Caleb out here really being a threat from the outside and being able to score as well. Um, and then obviously Leaky doing, Leaky doing what he does and then, um, you know, guys coming in off the bench that are able to do stuff. I mean, it, it causes some serious problems because um, you got to give up something, you know, and, and most teams aren't going to try to give up you know, things on the inside and offensive rebound and transition. So if, if they're able to do that, I mean, it adds a whole different dimension to the offense. So um, I think that's a key for them. In the pit game, Armando Baycott and Garrison Brooks, they started strong shooting 10 of 15 in the first half. When you're out there, how do you adjust the offense to give the ball to whoever does have the hot hand? You know, thankfully for the bigs, like a lot of the plays that North Carolina runs – it's, it's kind of around the bigs. Um, so, you know, whether it's whatever they're running secondary or other plays that coach might have, it's focusing on, you know, running the actions all the way through so that we can get the ball inside. And I think that's one thing that they've been really doing a good job of. Obviously, you know, guys like Caleb, RJ, Kerwin, like they've done a good job of being a threat from the outside. But then at the same time, you know, if, you know, for instance, like Dayron had a couple couple baskets back to back, you know, and it's like they're they're focusing on, okay, if they if we have a you know a really big mismatch inside, let's get it down to them. And so, you know, it's really just running their actions all the way through and not I think early on in the season they were, you know, just taking quick shots, quick, maybe difficult shots at times. And now they're really going through their actions and just kind of seeing what they have. And most of the time it's, you know, a mismatch down low or, you know, getting them involved. How do the coaches handle that when a player does have the hot hand or like you mentioned, are, are they calling plays specifically for the players? Are you going into timeouts and into halftime and Roy's like, Hey, like Justin's having a great night. Let's, let's make sure we keep giving the ball to Justin because I think I do remember hearing kind of Marcus talking about that on some of the nights where mm-hmm. he was shooting the ball really well. For sure. I mean, it's um, you know, we don't, you don't necessarily change the way that you're playing. You know, you don't all of a sudden just start calling certain certain plays and never calling other plays. Um, but there's definitely an emphasis. Um, like Marcus is a great example. Like obviously what he did his sophomore year, junior year. Um, so like when I went in there as a freshman, there were a lot of times at halftime, like he would maybe have the hot hand or maybe he wasn't as involved as he should have been. And, you know, the coaches really made a concerted effort to like, let us know, Hey, we need to try to get him open. We need to get him involved. Um, so I think it's a little different with the bigs. Like I said, the offense is already predicated around them. Um, but yeah, definitely, they definitely do put a, you know, if somebody's really feeling it, um, like let's get them involved as much as possible. I'm laughing in my head right now because I'm thinking of the movie kicking and screaming. Have you ever seen that with Will Ferrell? Yes. Where yeah. he's just like, get the ball to the Italians. And that's how I imagine <laughs> Roy when Armando gets going or Garrison gets going, where he's like, just get the ball to the bigs, get the ball to the bigs. But we've talked about before, and you mentioned it earlier, how spacing will help the bigs. And the player that has done that the most has been Kerwin Walton, who's shooting 
over 40% now on this season. We haven't talked too much about him yet on this podcast, but offline and in the group chats, we're probably the most pro Kerwin people walking <laughs> this planet right now. What do you like about his game and what he brings to this Carolina team? You know, I, I think obviously like the most obvious is just the fact that he's been the most consistent shooting the ball. Um, but I think too, like, he has kind of like a fearlessness when it comes to shooting, you know, like as a freshman, when you go in and I, I was like, I hit this hard, but like as a freshman, you go in and you're trying to like, you know, please the coaches, be in the right place at the right time, like make sure that you're shooting the right shots and all this sort of stuff. And uh, honestly, this whole freshman class honestly hasn't had that issue at all. It seems like, but like Kerwin, um, like he's not afraid to pull a shot, right? He's not afraid if he's a little deeper, he's not afraid to let it go. Um, and so, and obviously on the defensive end, he, you know, he works really hard. So I think all of that combined, like he's really given them, you know, kind of a key piece that's able to keep the defense honest, you know, and allow those bigs inside to really dominate like they have been. I like that point that you made with uh, that quiet swagger that he kind of carries around <laughs> with him. This was a, loaded six-man recruiting class for Carolina. It was the number two class in the country, highlighted by four McDonald's All-Americans. And you have somebody like Puff Johnson, who everybody kind of knew what to expect from him being Cam's brother. And then you have someone like Kerwin, who was outside the top 100 prospects. You've seen players like Kenny, like Luke May, who were either under-recruited or not coming in with the hype of a a quote-unquote typical five-star prospect. What can that chip on the shoulder do for a player who is coming in with something to prove? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing is like those ratings don't necessarily mean, you know, that the other guys that are four star, three star aren't just as good. Um, I think a lot of times basketball is all about opportunity, you know? So it's like, you know, maybe those guys were in bigger tournaments or maybe they were seen, you know, they had the right person at their game, one game, you know, or whatever it might be. So with Kerwin, obviously he can play, you know, and then you get to college and it's like, okay, it goes from like basketball is a hobby of mine and I'm good at it to, okay, this is kind of not necessarily a job yet, but like, this is what I do, you know, like this is what I'm at school to do. And so obviously the coaches and the program itself puts so many resources into um, getting you better on the court, off the court, in the weight room, all that sort of stuff. And so it just kind of enhances your game. So, you know, I think Kerwin's, you know, he's, you know, I haven't, I haven't really been around him too much, but just by seeing how he's grown throughout the year, I think he's just put in the work, you know, and when you put in the work, usually good things happen. Yeah. That was something that they always kind of emphasized to us on the football side of things, like being a, you know, Under Armour All-American for football, it's not going to help you once you're in Chapel Hill. You know, the coaches aren't like, this guy did this in high school. It's it's all about that opportunity and everybody's kind of coming in with a clean slate where football is a little different just because the scholarship guys are going to get more chances than the walk-ons. And I think that's kind of the same for basketball, but it's still a case where everybody basically has a clean slate. Everybody's getting the same opportunity. And it's something where if you're performing in practice and you're performing on the court, you're only going to see your playing time kind of reflect that. And I thought one of the most encouraging signs in the pit game was the assist to turnover ratio. It was a lot better. It was 22 assists to 13. The flow of the offense looked a lot better. They shot like 61% 
in the second half. Is that just a case of a young team that's now more comfortable and more familiar playing with each other? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's that. I think it's, you know, the point guards and the people that have the ball in their hand the most, them feeling more comfortable and running the offense um, and kind of knowing where to be and what to do in certain situations. Um, and I think it's just a matter of them continuing to get more comfortable. You know, we talked about how, like, the offseason, they didn't have a ton of time. And obviously, like, preseason, they didn't have, you know, those exhibition games and stuff like that that you normally get. And so now it's like, even though we're in the ACC play, which is pretty far into the season, like you're seeing them kind of build that chemistry. You're seeing them get more comfortable with each other and know where certain guys want the ball and, you know, how certain guys play. So, um, you know, I think that's another encouraging aspect to really, to really look at. I also thought it helped that Pitt tried to force Carolina into bad spots by pressing them, but Carolina was able to break it and get easy baskets in transition. When you're at Carolina, are you almost inviting teams to try and press you with how much you guys like to run and get up and down the court? Yeah. I mean, I think the, um, we, every time when I was there at school, it was very, uh, you know, teams didn't press us very often um, because of the fact, like you said, like our offense is so, transition based so like if you press us and we break it it's like we're automatically in a transition situation and so that's where we're most comfortable and so it was good to see Pittsburgh I mean they they kind of ramped up the pressure there for a little bit and they got a few turnovers on us but it was cool to see them kind of bounce back and then to attack from um from the, that press and so you know like I said it's it, it's a very young team and so it's like when all of a sudden you know, a, a team kind of ramps up the pressure and stuff. It's good to see them kind of bounce, you know, bounce back from that and respond to that. Yeah. And the only reason Pitt had to try to do that is because they were trying to force Carolina into bad spots and Carolina was playing with the lead and Pitt was the one trying to catch them down. And that's another aspect I've noticed for Carolina recently is they're not playing catch up. And over the past two games, They've only trailed for five and a half of the total 40 minutes. They're forcing teams to make runs. And it's obviously easier said than done, but how much easier does that make the game when you're the ones that are dictating the tempo? Yeah, I mean, it's um, especially in the ACC and honestly in all college basketball, but um, I can only speak from the ACC. Like if you get into a big enough hole against a good team, it's tough to come back. You know, it's really hard. and so when you're in control of the lead, you're in control of a whole lot more. Like you're in control of the pace. You're in control of, you know, offensively what plays you're running and stuff like that. You're not in a hectic mode of just trying to score, get a stop. You know what I mean? So it's like, and I think you, that goes along with being comfortable, you know, they're able to be more comfortable whenever they're in the lead. And so, um, you know, I think that's a huge thing. And I think it, it honestly, it goes back to like how they start the games off as well. You know, I think, last two games they've done a good job of coming out you know with a pretty pretty good mindset um, from the jump and so I think that helps them a lot too don't look now Carolina starting to get hot they've won six of seven in a tough conference what does that do for a team's confidence and validation where you're working every day to improve and now you're starting to see those results translate to wins on the court now I mean, I think it's huge. I mean, it popped up on my phone today. Coach was jigging yesterday after the game. 
you know, and, and, and dancing. So I think it, it just, it gives you a different type of confidence whenever for one, you see your coach excited after a win like that. And, you know, y'all continue to put it together wins against teams that are pretty good. I mean, they had what the leading rebounder, leading scorer, um, and even the leading assist guy, I think yesterday against Pittsburgh. So it's like coming out with a win against, you know, they were a little bit older of a team and maybe a few more vets on the team, um, you know, and winning that game and coming out, you know, on the road against an ACC team like that and winning, I think that's, it just builds your confidence in even more. So we'll see. They've got, they've got a couple big games coming up. So we'll have to see, man. How would you put into words what it's like being in that locker room and then you see Roy coming through that door doing, doing his little jig? <laughs> Pure laughs, man. Pure comedy. <laughs> um, you know, like it's, it's, but at the same time, it's like, it, it, it makes you feel good. You know, because it's like, okay, we just went out there and fought really hard and coach is celebrating that with us, you know. Um, but no, it's you're definitely you're dying laughing for sure, because it's his uh, he's one of one when it comes to dancing, man. I'll say that. <laughs> I love how Carolina has just become the uh, the dancing coach school with you have Roy going crazy in the locker rooms at times. And then you have Mac Brown after after every win, the the team's telling him to do all these new types of dances and everything. (laughs) Carolina seems to have that brand on lock, but to end the podcast, the old quote is you're never as good as everyone tells you when you win. And you're never as bad as they say when you lose. And I think that's somewhere where this Carolina team fits in right now, where they're not this national contender and they're not as bad as people were saying they were when they were going through struggles early in the year. If you're Carolina, how do you handle this success and go into practices feeling confident, but, not too confident where another team can catch you slipping on an off day. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to kind of what we talked about, you know, on a, on a previous time, like going into each and every game as if it's a game against Pittsburgh, you know, or as if it's a game against Florida state, Um, not necessarily against, you know, like it's a game, you know, if you're going into a game against Wake Forest who hasn't won many games, like, and playing down to that level. You know, and so even though like you might you might feel really good and it's okay to feel really good about a win in the ACC because it's hard enough to get a win, you know, in conference play. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you know what, like now we move on and now we got to get better at the things that maybe we didn't do as well. Uh, But at the same time, being very confident and knowing, okay, you know, what, we are a good team. You know, we have good players and we know how to play with each other and we can really win some games. So it's just kind of a fine balance, honestly, and never getting. You know, people always say the whole cliche where, you know, never get too high, never get too low, uh, but just trying to focus on, you know, continuing, continuing to get better. Carolina has one game in between now and the next time we talk and then a trip to Duke next weekend. So rest up. We have a lot to talk about next week. But Justin, <laughs> thanks, thanks for getting on and uh, good luck this week in, in all your games in the NBA. I appreciate that, man. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 